Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. So as we come to the end of our study on the, the book of Philippians, we're, we're on our last week here. We're going to, to pause for just a second and have a geography lesson. Um, I always liked geography when I was a kid. It was, it was always a nice break from, you know, math and, and history and all these things. Geography was, was very concrete, right? It, it was something where that, that place was there and it, it, you knew it was there. It was dependable. Um, Kaylee went on a trip to Israel a few years ago. And one of the things that she brought back, and I, I think this would be true for me as well, is when you go and you see a place, when you, you walk in a place that is talked about in the Bible, all of a sudden it becomes a little bit more real. And it's, it's not that she thought that, you know, Jerusalem was a made-up place. I mean, she, she knew, but it, it, when you are there, there, there's just something different about it. And when you are, are driving from place to place in the Bible and you say, oh, so this is how far away it was from, from this place to this place, all of a sudden you start getting an idea of, of the time that, that it takes to do something. And so this morning, I'm going to hazard a guess to say that most of us probably don't have a super concrete idea of where the, the church in Philippi is located or, or uh, Corinth or Thessalonica, if, if we have to go find that on a map, are, are we going to be able to? Some of you might, but maybe not all of us, right? And so one of the things that you, we kind of neglect or fail to understand when we're reading this is that Paul's not writing to a church that's just like a couple of blocks down the road. Paul's writing to a church that's in a completely different continent than him. He's, he's located in Asia, and he's writing to the first church established in Europe, which is the, the church of Philippi, which is in today Greece. And so that's 6,000 miles away. So first off, let's appreciate how long it takes somebody to hand deliver a letter that's 6,000 miles away. It's not quite like email. Not quite like Pony Express even. You know, I think we're, there's some boats involved. There, there's, there's a lot of time, effort, and energy that has to be spent even to get this letter to where it needs to go. However, this is the letter that Paul's writing. Paul is, is writing to a church that's not only geographically far away, but it's a church that's completely different from who he is as a person. You know, throughout this study, every step of the way, every single day, the, the overall theme of this study has been everyday joy, has been that there, there is everyday joy available to us in the midst of wherever struggle you find yourselves. Paul a prisoner for the faith is proclaiming joy in the midst of hardship because of who Christ is and because what Christ has done. Not because of Paul. 
Not because Paul is, is in this elevated mindset where, where he's able just to ignore the things that are going on around him. No, that, that has nothing to do with it. He is able to proclaim joy in the midst of hardship because what God has done. Paul is writing a letter to a people group that is very different from him. They are a different culture. They're a different ethnicity. They are of a different socioeconomic status. They don't have the same jobs that he has. They have different immediate circumstances. He's probably not writing to a bunch of people that are also in prison. And yet those differences never served to isolate or separate Paul from them. Christ, as the common denominator, was enough to bring unity in spite of all of those differences. And so sometimes we we see disunity in in the church within four walls, where we we don't have all of these differences that we have to overcome, but, but Paul was able to do it. Through the blood of Jesus, he was able to do it. And so as we come this morning and we, we read Philippians 4, 14 through 23, there's a section that, that we need to recognize that there's a call to unity. I'm going to read that right now. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves knew, know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied. I have, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Why do we give? We give so that we can partner with those that are spreading the gospel. We we give for gospel partnerships. If we look at verses 14 through 16. What we see here is Paul had gone on missionary trips. He had gone on this, this long journey where he, he went all the way through the Mediterranean and he, he was at Greece. He, he planted a church there. But that wasn't the first place that he stopped. There were all of these other churches that Paul had planted as he had gone along. What we see here is that of these, I don't know, maybe hundreds of churches, I I honestly didn't do a count of how many he planted before he got to Philippi, but of all of these churches that he planted, the only one that was going to respond and support him was one that was 6,000 miles away. What happened to the other ones? Weren't there any other churches that were out there? 
You know, obviously we don't really know the reason why those other churches decided not to support Paul, but maybe let's look at this a little differently. When we hear that a legitimate need that exists today, either corporately or, or individually, we have two choices. We can choose to either partner with that person or to partner together to meet that specific need, or we can choose not to. I mean, this isn't like rocket science. This is, I'm not tricking you. This, th- those are the two choices. <laughs> we either do it or we don't. And if we choose not to, why don't we? Sure, maybe there's a good reason not to. Maybe, maybe there's something, some specific point that you know, is not something that we want to support. Or maybe sometimes we choose not to support because we're worried about ourselves. Sometimes we choose not to give, because if we give, then what about this other thing that we need to do? Yeah, I, I know there's this mission that is trying to raise funds to go out and, and you know, touch lives in some other place. But if we give money towards that, how are we going to deal with, I don't know, putting new carpet in? I'm using that example because we don't need new carpet. So <laughs> how, how, what about us? What about that thing that we're, we, we need to deal with? It's so easy for us to give out of excess, but what happens when you're in that point of, I have this need. I can, I can choose, on, choose to hold on to the blessings that God has given because I, d- I don't know when the, the next blessing is going to come. This, you don't understand. This is, this is all I have. But if I choose to hold on to my resources in order to look out for my own well-being, I am robbing God of the opportunity to bless me. You don't think about that that way very often, do you? And I don't. I don't really think about it as the fact that if I don't put myself out there, if I don't give sacrificially, not, not out of my excess, but in those seasons where I, where I have a need that exists, if I don't choose to give freely of the blessings that God has given me, I'm actually robbing God and robbing myself of the opportunity to see God move in my life miraculously. Do you believe that God can provide for you? Do you? Do you? Do you believe that God can provide for you? Do you believe that God can meet your needs? Do you believe that God has access to resources that we could never ask or think or imagine? Then shouldn't the way that I utilize my resources reflect that? Shouldn't the way I live my life reflect that trust in Jesus? I mean, we just sang about he's my anchor through the storm. Storms can be financial. Storms can be something that's related to my health. Storms can be me waiting for provision. But in the midst of that difficulty and that hardship, I can rest secure that God is faithful.
The church in Philippi started out as this ragtag group. We talked before, not the group of people that you would pick to start a church. Some demon-possessed guy, a rich woman down by the river, and this demon-possessed woman. And Paul's like, yeah, let's, let's work with that. And every church planting like counselor that, that ever existed is like, what are you doing? You need like at least 50 people that are good givers before you can actually do something like that. But in spite of that, we see the church not only growing and doing well, we see them choosing to be a blessing. Just like that directive that we see uh, go to uh, Abraham in Genesis 11, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I am going to bless you, and through that blessing, you are going to be a blessing to everyone else. That is the call on our lives as well, church. We have been blessed. And I know it's so easy when we talk about blessing to automatically make that jump to finances. I'm not just talking about finances today. Are finances part of it? You bet. You bet. But there are other things that we can talk about when we're talking about blessing. And because the church in Philippi had been recipients of blessing from Paul, they chose to be a blessing. If you have received the benefits from a ministry, you should seek to be a blessing of that ministry. I know that that maybe sounds self-serving coming from the pastor to church. (laughs) Hey, we we need people to help out. We need people to give. That's not what this is about, okay? Can you, I just want you to see my heart. That that is not what this is about. But what it means is that in order for you to be healthy, for anyone to be healthy, whether it's in this church or any other, if you have received blessing, you are to turn and be a blessing. And it's interesting to see the problems of the church that Paul started through Jesus haven't really changed a whole lot to today. (laughs) There are still people in in the church today, and, and I would say probably the most in the United States of America, where people come saying, how can I get the most? Just ready to receive, ready to receive, 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 and, and never once contemplating that, that after receiving that blessing, there is a, a call on your life to turn and be a blessing. Pastor Matt, I've only been blessed with a little bit. I, I don't have all, all of these things. I, I don't have all of the time. I don't have all of the talents that these other people have. And, and what I would say is look at the widow. As the widow goes into the temple and she gives her offering of two pennies or, or whatever the, the modern equivalent might be, God knows. He says, that is the pleasing sacrifice. That is the, the pleasing aroma that is a blessing to my heart, to the heart of God, because the way in which it was given has nothing to do with how much you can give. If, if, let's talk finances for a minute. If, if the financial uh, ability for you to provide and turn and be a blessing is to give $5 a month, and that's, that's the thing that, that is available to you in that time, then be a blessing at the level that you are able to be a blessing. 
Do not rob yourself or God of being able to provide for you supernaturally. If you provide and give sacrificially, you will be blessed beyond anything you could ever ask, think, or imagine. And let's get it out of the way right now. I am not going to say that if you give $100, you're going to get $100 in five days or less in your bank account. That is not the way it works. Now, does God do it? You bet. I've seen it. But that is not, we are not that church. <laughs> we are not that church that is going to say that, that you are going to hold God to some specific standard and he is now bound to, to meet uh, your expectation. But what are we talking about? We're talking about living a life of joy. And when I give sacrificially, when I give in a way that, that shows and demonstrates my dependence, my trust in Jesus, and we see time and time and time again that he is faithful, that proof of faithfulness in my life brings joy. When it comes to giving, we're supposed to give quietly, discreetly. We're not supposed to, to shout out from the, the mountaintops, hey, I just gave $10,000 to the church. I'm really good. No, we're not supposed to do that. And so what that means is that the discreet nature of giving means that God is the only one who knows how you give. Again, financially, of your time, of your talent, whatever the case may be. Church, I, I have no idea who in this church gives what. And I have no interest in knowing that. I have the ability to know. I could, could log in to, to the, the software that we use to track your giving statements and we could take a look. I could, could sit down with Charlotte and we could have that conversation. I don't want to know that. I don't want to look at you differently. And I would. I, I would start to look at, at each of us differently because I would start to see, oh, this is how much this person gave. Well, I know they could give more. You, you would start to have those types of conversations. Even if I didn't want to, I, I would start to think that. And I wouldn't know how someone gave. Yeah, I, can, I could look at numbers all day long, but, but how do I see the heart behind that, that gift that has been given? God is the only one who knows how we give. He is the only one that knows the condition of our heart when we give. There are times when the numerically small gift is the gift that, that God looks at and says, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I, was, what I was looking for. And there are times when the, the huge gift in our eyes comes through and he says, that's, what is that? That's chump change. I, I know what you can do. I mean, we see it with Cain and Abel. We see where where. Abel shows up and he gives the, the first fruits from his flock. And Cain shows up and he gives the first fruits of, of his garden. But were they the first fruits? Were they the best? 
Maybe to us looking on the outside, we would say, yeah, those, that looks like a pretty good piece of corn. Yeah, that looks, that looks like a, a, a pretty nice apple that you have there. Sure. But God knew. And I would hazard a guess to say it had a lot less to do with whether or not Cain brought a sheep versus produce and a lot more towards the heart of what Cain brought. If Cain would have brought the produce that he, he brought with the heart of this being a sacrificial gift, this being my best, because God, you are worthy of my best, I think God would have been like, yeah, this is a pleasing sacrifice. When we give, we give with assured provision. If you make the choice to give of your finances that you don't have a lot of, if you make the choice to give of your time that you don't have a lot of, if you make the choice to give of your talents that you don't feel like you have a lot of, God will meet your need. Well, how's he going to bless me? Where is it going to come from? According to his riches and glory. That's what it says. According to his riches and glory. And, and are his riches and glory enough? Yeah. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is able to provide. You will never give to God beyond what he has given to you. God will not allow your needs to go unmet as you seek to meet the needs of others. And it's so easy to look at at verse 19. Let's go back and, and read verse 19 again. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It is so easy to quote that particular verse out of context. Just like this, you say, we find out that there's this need that exists in a church that's somewhere else. Maybe it's down the road, maybe it's in a different state, a different country, I don't care. It's just away. We pray for that church and we say, and God will, God will meet all of those needs according to his riches and glory. God will provide for you. And then we stop. We say, okay, let's move on to the next thing on the agenda for this morning. If I, as a follower of Jesus, know that a need exists in a fellow believer's life and I have the means to meet it, I am called to meet that need. What's Paul talking about? I mean, go back and read the first verses. It wasn't that he was just hoping that Jesus was gonna meet the need that existed. He, he recognized that God used the church to meet the need. Now, if I don't, 
If we don't, as the church collectively, does it mean that that person or that church is just out of luck? No. Thank you, Jesus. My inability to follow through, my uh, mistakes that I make don't derail the plans of God. What has happened is that I have just lost out on the opportunity to be provided for miraculously because I was too busy taking care of the stuff that was my own. I was too busy worried about my own provision. When we give, we give with anticipation knowing that God is going to bring about a specific result. The, the church as a whole functions at its best when, when we all take on personal responsibility. There's this, I, I read about this program that was trying to get kicked off at this church. These you know, five guys were kind of hanging out. I think there was like a dinner at somebody's house and they were hanging out and talking about all this yard work that they had to get done, all of these, these chores that needed to get finished at their house. And there was stuff that they couldn't do because they needed another person to be there with them. And, and finally, somebody got the idea. It was like, well, wait a minute. If we're all here and we all have these things that need to get done, then why don't we as a group kind of team up and each Saturday, we'll, we'll do work at one of our houses, and then when it's the next Saturday, the ne- we'll all go to the next person's house, and, and so on and so forth, and we'll all be able to get all of these things done. And everybody's like, yeah, okay, this, this seems like a good idea. And so one guy said, yeah, I'll go first. And, and so everybody comes over to his house and, and bring their shovels. They, they do the work that they need to do. And it was amazing. He got tons of work done at his house. He was super thrilled about it. And the, the next week came along, and, and there was only four guys at the, the meeting that time. And okay, well, we, maybe he'll, he'll show up next time. And so we, we, they sat down, they did the work that they needed to do, and they, they show up the, the next week, and there's three at, at the next place. And you can kind of see where this is going. <laughs> it, it's so easy for us to, to be in favor of the church helping the church when I'm getting the help. It's a totally different thing when it's now my responsibility to to be on the other side of that. I have been blessed to be a blessing. When we give of ourselves to further the kingdom of God, we have the unique privilege of actually joining God at work. I I don't think about it that way sometimes. Sometimes I, I think about things like that as, you know, this is just what I'm supposed to do. But, but if we stop for just a moment and recognize that our, our sacrificial giving is, is in fact the, the act of me partnering with God as he furthers his kingdom. That's, that's exciting. As we come to a close this morning,
let's think about where in your life have you been blessed? Where in your life have you seen the hand of God provide? Think about where in your life do you want to see God provide? Is that, that, those can be two different things. <laughs> where in your life do you want to see God move? And I want us to, to very specifically focus on that area for just a minute. Are you giving sacrificially out of that area right now? Because it is so easy for us to give out of the places where we've seen God, God already give, where God has already provided, but, but are you giving sacrificially out of the space, out of the area, out of, let, let's just get it, are you giving out of the finances where you say, God, I don't know where my power is gonna, if my power is gonna stay on this week. I don't know if I'm gonna have water this week. I don't know if, how I'm gonna pay for my groceries. In the midst of that, are we giving sacrificially? Because that's the hardest thing for us to do. I'll speak personally. That, that is a difficult place to, to give out of. And yet, as we give sacrificially in those times, that's where we see God move. That's where we see God show up and bless according to his riches and glory. And maybe there's other areas that aren't financially related. Maybe there are areas that you're being called to, to devote time to a, a specific thing. And you, God, I, I just don't have that. I don't have the time to do this. I don't, I don't have the, the talent or the, the resources, whatever the thing may be. I don't have those. God's calling for sacrificial giving. Church, this is not about money. We do, Wood Street Chapel is fine, okay? This, are you called to, to provide and to, to give to the church, support the church so that things can happen that, that further the gospel? Absolutely. This is not the, okay, it's time for the annual. We need to, to fundraise to get a project done at Wood Street Chapel. That's not what this is about. This is about me wanting to see God bless you. This is about God wanting to bless his people in ways that are beyond what we could ever imagine. Do you believe that God wants to do that? Do you believe that God wants to bless his people? And if you believe that, let's, let's partner with him in that this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God of blessing. And not just to adequately meet a need, but beyond anything that we could ask, think, or imagine. God, pressed down, shaken together, running over. God, you are God of blessing. And in that blessing, Lord, help us to learn how to turn and be a blessing to others. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you provide in the midst of need. We thank you that you're faithful. 
And as we give, God, we, we anticipate you to move amongst your people. As we move to our, our ministry time this morning, I know there are needs that exist in this place. I know there are, are needs for healing. There are needs of, of provision. There are needs of, of spiritual direction. How we come here this morning knowing that you will meet those needs because we know that you love your children. How we come this morning and we, we exalt your name, we proclaim your name. that you are holy, that there is no one like you. Your name is worthy. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 